It's Jim, it's the world of bonds. It's Tuesday the 14th of September 2021 for professional investors only, never ever investment advice. So we were talking a lot about US and UK tapering of quantitative easing or quantitative tightening as it's known. We're talking about that all last week, but it was really the ECB that pulled the trigger first. Um, as analyst Dario Perkins put it, they hiked during a credit crunch and during a sovereign debt crisis. Can they complete the hat trick by hiking during a global pandemic? And it is um, a bit of a head scratcher, to be honest, what they have done. To be fair to them, it is a modest taper. Um, they're leaving the asset purchase program at 20 billion euros per calendar month. So that continues its existing pace. But their PEP program, which is their pandemic emergency version of the uh, asset purchase program, um, they've changed the wording on the purchases there from uh, a significant higher pace of purchases to a moderately lower pace of purchases. So um, not expected to have a, a massive impact on the volume of purchases that the ECB does, but nevertheless, um, a step in the wrong direction, possibly. After all, uh, at the same time, the ECB did increase its inflation forecasts over the next few years. But by the time you get to 2023, I in two years time, Eurozone inflation is expected to be just one and a half percent. So remember, the ECB targets two percent and recently made a, a fairly big song and dance about the fact they're going to be a lot more symmetrical about that. Uh, not quite flexible average inflation targeting that the Fed adopted, but certainly trying to tell the market that they cared as much about uh, disinflation and low inflation as they did about inflation. Well, this doesn't really seem to be the case. So, you know, inflation is going to be one and a half percent in a couple of years time, yet they're withdrawing stimulus. If you look at um, break-even inflation rates, they have been rising significantly. Yesterday was a huge day for European uh, break-even inflation rates. So if you look at Germany, the five-year expected break-even inflation rate is now 1.65%. Remember, we get that number by taking the nominal Bund yield and then we take the um, inflation-linked um, real yield effectively and the difference between them is um, effectively the break-even inflation rate, some measure of market forecast or expectations of inflation. And that was up um, about 10 basis points in, in the day, really. So a, a big leap up. Energy price is probably the biggest contributor to fears around Eurozone inflation. But again, below 2% over that five-year period. And if you look at the five-year, five-year forward market, this is the market using the yield curve to determine um, what its deep-seated expectations are for inflation in five years' time, i.e. forgetting about the pandemic and what's going on um, in energy markets over the next year or so. What's the long-term expectation for Eurozone inflation? That's just 1.75%. So again, below target. And, uh, you know, you could make a good argument that they should be cutting interest rates here rather than raising them. Um, difficult, I guess, when uh, it doesn't take much Googling to find some German newspaper headlines. Um, das Bild is always good for a good inflation scare headline. Uh, a couple of days ago, Actung Price Canala which um, you should know that I am um, the proud holder of number one league position in the Diamond League on Duolingo. Um, like Alexander the Great in the famous Sid Wardell quote, I feel I've got no worlds left to conquer. 
um, but my German's pretty uh, pr- pretty elementary. But you know the, the title there is yet another German headline around the headline levels of inflation that we're seeing around the eurozone now above three percent generally driven by energy prices and those other factors around supply disruptions that we've seen everywhere in the world i guess you could probably point to some extent to angela merkel's you know you look back at her rule and say she generally was on the right side of history and the right side of uh, economics and politics over that period uh, but closing down all those nuclear power stations after the Japanese Fukushima nuclear disaster probably doesn't look like the, the best decision, both from a climate change point of view, but also their reliance on Russian gas and uh, and coal energy. Um, as energy prices have been going up quite recently, that's feeding through into um, those pictures that you see in Das Built of poor consumers looking in their empty wallets and wondering which politicians they need to blame there. So that's uh, Europe. We'll talk a little bit in a second about uh, inflation again, but it's also worth mentioning that it's not just a European story. It's um, uh, those break-even inflation rates have been going up, especially in the UK as well. And gilts and the gilt market has been underperforming those other bond markets. So five-year gilts are now at a, a high of the year at 41 basis points, which is in contrast to U.S. Treasury markets and and even bond markets, where where we're still quite uh, you know a bit below the the highs of the year in terms of yields. But gilts are up there at the high of the year. And if you look at break-even inflation rates in the U.K., they're pricing in RPI inflation of uh, knocking on the door of four percent, so 3.8 percent break-even RPI. Um, in in the UK. As I say though, US break-even inflation rates haven't moved really at all since March. They're stuck at 2.5%. So something slightly different going on in the Euro block and in the US. So I'm going to finish by, um, you know, someone who tweets as full stack econ on Twitter. It's Alan Cole. And um, he's... he's, um, explaining why he's become a bit more of an inflation bear of late and he's really talking about quality within the inflation basket and I don't know if you remember this but there were lots of reports I think it was called the Baskin report about whether inflation was really a good measure of inflation and we know in the UK decisions about whether you use arithmetic measures of averaging um, inflation baskets, like we do for the RPI, produces a significantly higher level of inflation than using a geometric uh, averaging effect. So there are lots of technical things within inflation baskets that can impact it and perhaps means that some measures overstate inflation. And, you know, the reports that have come out on inflation suggest that they're generally overstating. You know, in contrast to those German press um, announcements or scare stories on Twitter and scare stories um, on things like shadow stats and things like that, that inflation's actually running out of control. The findings of these reports were that actually the opposite is true. The headline inflation number overstates rather than understates it. And one of the reasons for that is that the inflation basket is always playing catch up. You know, if we look at the inflation basket at any one time, it represents what we used to buy rather than what we're actually buying today. And statistical agencies have got better at updating them more frequently 
So we take out uh, in the child's toy section hoop and stick and replace it with PlayStation 5. And, you know, we're also having substitutions for uh, quality impacts. You know, your car is better than it was because it's packed full of technology and um, your computer is better because it's more powerful for the same price. And the, you know, those impacts are not being captured properly. And we're not capturing the fact that we have substitution effects that when things get expensive, you know, if Marmite got really expensive, um, mad people might substitute that for Vegemite. Um, so, you know, substitution effects mean that you may be measuring high price things in the inflation basket, but people have actually moved on to cheaper things. And the interesting point in Alan Cole's um, Substack um, article uh, that he tweeted the headlines out on, on Twitter was really that maybe that's not happening anymore and perhaps the opposite is happening. So we're still measuring car prices, but actually you can't get hold of the, the cars with the improvements in electronics inside because of chip shortages and so forth. But we're, you know you have to go and buy instead an inferior car that may not have, uh, you know, that may not have all that new technology in it. And uh, the shortages of computer chips mean that instead of that PlayStation 5, you may have gone and bought your kid the hoop and the stick in, instead. So the, there's both a quality issue going on here, thanks to supply disruptions around the world. And there might also be a substitution effect that we're not, we're not capturing, that people aren't able to get hold of the, the good stuff and the cheap stuff and are having to spend more of their their wage packet on inferior goods effectively that that if you were doing a Baskin report today you might say that the inflation basket is understated for those couple of reasons final thing I'd say today is that um, Jim Reed who's always really interesting to to uh, read about uh, credit and asset prices they've got the Deutsche Bank annual asset return study out yesterday it's called Fiat 50 and fails um, he's in the inflation camp, so um, the, the the gist of this is that inflation has actually been higher than we think it has over the past 50 years. I've not read it yet, but I think it'll be one definitely worth covering in a future world of bonds. Got US inflation out today. It's expected to be 5.3% year on year, uh, with the core measures somewhat lower than that. But nevertheless, um, another blowout big number expected. Um, if you're in the inflation camp, have good weeks. Bye.